We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, welcome in to today's podcast. I'm your host, Jake Burns, over at the OBR. This is the OBR Film Breakdown. I think we have another good show for you. Andrew Spade's joining me again, and we have to continue our AFC Contender Series in order to knock all of these out by the start of training camp, and then also do some other fun things leading up to training camp, which will be here before we know. It's already June 20th, Andrew. What's up, man? I, I don't really know where the first 20 days of this month went, but here we are. I tell you what, yeah, it's flying by, um, it, and you're absolutely right. It'll be, if I, I think I'm doing the math on this correctly, it'll be four weeks from this Saturday that the Browns will be reporting, uh, or I guess traveling to the Greenbrier. So um, I think that's right. Uh, so Sounds yeah, it's, it, it's, 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 I mean, it's, it's really, it's sneaking up on us quickly. And so it's a little bit like I was flashing back to summers in, 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 uh, you know, during my school years when you'd have a, especially during like high school or college, you'd have like a summer reading list, you know, of, of like a few things that, you know, the school recommended or what are required. I don't know if it was required or recommended. I might've been a big enough nerd as a, as a kid that I read the re- recommended reading. It's hard to say. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, you're just kind of thinking about that, right? Like we've got to get through a big old list of AFC contenders before, before we can uh, report back to school in July with uh, the rest of the Browns media. So, you know, when everybody else is trying to figure out in August, you know, who the third cornerback is for the uh, New England Patriots, we'll already have done all of our homework and we'll be so smart. And you guys will be really smart for listening. I mean, imagine us getting smart together, how exciting that is. So yeah, keep that in your back pocket. Yeah, it folks. means a lot to me. So we're going to get to two teams in our list of, of uh, AFC contenders after the break. We're going to do what they call in the industry an, uh, an opener, right? Getting Getting a little more formal trying mm-hmm. to at least make this a serious podcast as often as we can. So we are going to open on a couple topics. We've got some DMs always. I mean, listen, it's been a pretty lively group of, uh, of DMs about topic ideas. And I told Andrew before the show, I don't know if people are just bored with me in the show or they're just being helpful 
I, I don't know. Maybe you think that Jake is an idiot and he can't think of his own things. Let me send it over. I'm asking you guys to do it. So I love it. We've gotten a lot of really good ideas. We're going to try to get to as many of them as we can throughout this off season, this summer period. Um, this first, the one that we want to hit on today comes from Austin DPL at Austin DPL on Twitter. Um, he says he loves to let the Browns destroy my happiness. I think we can relate. I think we can all Oof, relate yeah, that hits home. to that. Um, he says a future mailbag question for you, but we're going to use it as an opener. Hopefully you don't mind the, uh, the audible to your DM here, but he asked about extending some Browns players and, and keeping the window open as long as possible. Um, and I guess this doesn't necessarily limit us to players who are on expirings, but I do think that we're going to use it that way. Andrew, now that I think about it, we could have said like, who's up next kind of thing, but we're going to do this for just this immediate future. So we've kind of tiered off who's got an expiring deal here. And we're going to take the top tier of guys that have an expiring this year, Grant Delpit, Donovan Peoples Jones and Zadarius Smith because Zadarius's contract's kind of structured that way. Um, we're going to say you can keep one of those three guys, extend them, and then we have the other set of players, which is kind of a bunch of fringe 53 guys, kind of every linebacker besides JOK. He still has another year on his rookie deal. Harrison Bryant, Jordan Elliott, Marquise Goodwin, and Nick Harris. And with the Marquise Goodwin, like it's the same with – Jakeem Grant, it's a lot of these guys who are – you've really not even seen them play with the Browns yet, so we're getting a, a little ahead of ourselves. Rodney McLeod's another one, Maurice Hurst, Tristan Hill, some of those guys, right? Um, anyway, I think that it's important to uh, kind of maybe take one from each, and then we could say maybe then while we're doing this, we can also here on the fly think of a bigger-name player Yeah, that would make sense to extend as well because there are some like – if we're thinking out loud here, Andrew, it would be like Newsom. Mm-hmm. Because he's pushing toward the end of his JOK, Newsom, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Jedrick Wills. Yep. Wyatt Teller probably would be a guy that would be like coming toward the end of his first extension. Would you give him another one? Yeah. Um, I think you could say, would they extend Amari Cooper? Mm-hmm. Because he's going to be pushing an area where they could get rid of that contract. Would you extend Elijah Moore? He'll have two yep. years technically left. Um, anybody else who's kind of in that two year range off the top of your head? I mean, Nick would, would, would be in that two year range. Some people think he might be gone after this year. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Chubb, Chubb is, is another one. Um, and then I think it would be, you know, I mean, I think, I, I think I was thinking about this as, as you're saying, I think more will be last next year will be 24 will be Elijah Moore's last year. Cause he was yeah. in the, he was in the Newsome JOK class. And he was a second year guy, so he only gets four years. Second round, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. So they have they have two more years with Newsom uh, because of the fifth year option, but they won't for more or JOK. So that that's probably those three guys are probably at the top of the list, and then and then you go talk about some of the veterans that are already on extensions, like like you mentioned Teller and Chubb. I think are probably up there, Um, you know, and and, uh, then then it would be. I don't I think mean, we can no, consider I, Jack Conklin because I know he no, got no, two yeah. years, but he's yeah. so he's at the point where it's like giving him he's yeah. gonna be fighting for his NFL career, I think, at that point, maybe one year's right. Um yeah. So so yeah, no, I think I think that's the list. I, I mean they're the Browns are in a in a unique position here where they do have a lot of their young talent locked up and not a lot of real quote unquote difference makers hitting the market over the next two seasons. That's why the window is as wide open as it is. 
for sure. And two things to consider when thinking about this is money is getting tighter. So yep. you can't re-sign all of them, especially the top three in this tier one we listed. And then when you're looking at future extensions, you do have to consider like what draft picks they don't have a first round pick this year again. So you can't just say, okay, let Zedarius go and draft a first round edge. Right. Um, can't draft a first round wide receiver. If you let DPJ go, I know you can take a second and there's been some success found in second round wide receivers. I get all that. And same with grand Delpit, you know, so that's kind of what you're weighing a couple different angles there of like what assets they have. They're not going to be huge players in free agency for a little while here. It's my point. That's like, right. I don't think they're going to yeah. be doing what they did last year. So, okay. Tier one guys, Grant Delpa, DPJ, Zadarius, who would you prefer to see extended? And what we mean by extended or, or given a new contract here is, is at least like a two year deal, right? Yeah. Yeah. So at the minimum, who do you yeah. got? Yeah. I, I, as of now, um, I think I would probably pass. <laughs> Across everyone? the board, yeah. I mean, I, I, um, I just think. I mean, to your point that you just made about the the cap situation upcoming, um, my expectation is that Zedarius Smith is going to enter his decline phase here soon, if if not this season, the next season. So you don't want to be caught paying for you know production that isn't there. And they also have two young edge players in Wright and McGuire. You know, um, I, I mean, certainly they need one of those guys to turn into at least a part time player. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, you know, I don't know that he's going to be worth now. Could they bring him back on a one year cheaper deal potentially? Yeah. I think if the market doesn't firm up for him the way that he hopes it does, but I think he's hoping to cash in one last time. So, um, and then I just, I think there's a lot of questions yet about Grant Delpit. And I think there's a version where he plays really well this year and, you know, the team is signing him to an extension by mid season. Uh, and I think there's a version where he's continues to be inconsistent and the team feels they can replace his production for cheaper than what he wants, you know, because this is going to be, you know, uh, players that, that approach free agency after their rookie contract, that is, you know, in the league expected to be your big payday. And so if he wants, you know, Juan Thornhill money or better, I think the Browns are better off spending that money elsewhere. And then Donovan Peoples-Jones, I've talked about before. I, I don't, I don't think he's enough of a difference maker to get paid what he can get paid on the open market. So I think it's going to be in his best interest to go to free agency and go to a team, you know, like the Tennessee Titans or something like that, that doesn't really have a true number one. And, and, and because people's Jones, his best value is being a high volume uh, target, you know, because he's, he's so reliable at the catch point that he can really be, he can, you can, if you feed him enough, you can get him into like almost number one level numbers, but he's never going to be a true difference making number one. I think those are all very fair pieces of analysis. For the sake of this game, though, I'm going to take one. <laughs> I will keep Grant, I yeah. think, is the guy I would just sort of project yeah. to keep, largely because I don't think safety contracts are out of control. Like I think yep. that like a, a yep. deal like Juan Thornhill's deal is a pretty mm-hmm. fair deal if he has a nice season, right? So yes. yep. that's what I'll do. The wide receiver stuff, if Donovan has another good year, eight, nine, a 1,000 yards. Yeah. I mean, that's like a, like a locked in ten million dollar player, right? Yeah. So yeah. he's going to go to Arizona or you know another team that needs proven production and can afford to overpay. Very fair. Now the second tier is a tier where I might just say, yeah. <laughs> uh, so all the other linebackers, like you said, yeah. Uh, those all, I mean, Taki Taki Walker Kunizic, they're all on one year deals. Correct. Harrison Jacob Bryant. Phillips. Yep. yep. Jacob Phillips. Yep. Uh, Harrison Bryant, Jordan Elliott, Marquise Goodwin, Nick Harris. We can add. We can add the others like Rodney McLeod. We can yeah, add yeah, yeah. 
sure. Um, Jakeem Grant and any anyone else that comes to uh, comes to mind. Is there anyone there that you would like to see sort of hung on to in that in that sort of? It could be a cheap extension. There are cheap yeah. extensions that happen all the time. It seems like everybody thinks you have to chew through these guys and just cut them loose. No, I mean right. like you could like have a three year, two million dollars per year deal. I mean I don't know those sorts of things happen where you look and you're like, oh, that guy was with a organization that drafted him seven years. He didn't do anything remarkable, but he was just a great teammate and he was there. Right. You know? So yeah. I don't know if there's anyone there you would uh, prefer. I, I mean, I think Taki Taki is probably the close, closest to a guy that I feel like, um, you know, his specific skill set is, is a little bit unique in terms of his size, but also the per- positional versatility that he showed in uh, 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just, you know, he understands kind of his role and is is a real, like a valuable and enthusiastic contributor to special teams. So, you know, uh, him at the right number, uh, you know, I think makes a lot of sense for the Browns in um, 24 as well, especially because I, I would assume, I, you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens with Anthony Walker. I mean, you know, to your point, Jake, overall, like, the the Browns are in the they they kind of are in love with bringing back guys that have been on the on the roster before for another year you know mm-hmm. I mean Walker is that guy right uh, you know they 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 didn't need to guarantee Harrison Bryant or Jordan Elliott their money this year they could have cut cut them but they've kind of committed to both of those players for next year or for this year uh, you know uh, AJ Green was another player that they brought back. Um, you know, they, they, they seem to really like to kind of have this relationship with these players where they're around, but they're not really committing to them in a multi-year capacity. Uh, you know, you think about what happened with Clowney, you know, two years in a row. So I, I, I think it'll be interesting as some of these Andrew Barry draft picks, right? This is this this year will be the the, the next offseason. His first draft class is hitting free agency. Mm-hmm. All the names you mentioned he drafted in 2020. And so I think it'll be interesting to see how the Browns treat those players, because I think they have shown, you know, to your point, a a real preference for sticking with the guys, you know, rather than trying to find guys that would offer an upgrade uh, on the market potentially. And we've, we've gone through those over the years, all of those guys who, who they just have a preference or even guys they bring back, you know, like practice, like Willie Harvey comes to mind, right? Guys who they have, familiarity with so yeah maybe they do bring doesn't have to be a longer extension for some of these guys like i I think that they would be interested in bringing harrison bryant back okay i I do i I, even though the role is small whatever yeah but if he does it for the right money exactly that he can do he's been in this office it's been the only offense he's ever been in that's right and uh there's familiarity there i thought they would have drafted a tight end i I really thought they were going to but i think that's an indication hey we like jordan akins and maybe we can keep Harrison Bryan around for yeah. some, some really low numbers. So and Jake, you I, know, you mentioned that I I listened to TC McCartney. He did an interview with Nathan Zagura on the Cleveland Browns Daily in the last week. He said that he considers Harrison Bryant the sort of tone setter in the tight end room in terms of his work ethic. Uh, huh. Which you know, a little bit of shade there for Dave, right? Uh, <laughs> so yeah. um, and 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 he you know he also was I think a little bit you could tell a little bit. Uh, miffed in between the lines, a little bit miffed that Najoku wasn't here for any of the OTAs and only showed up for the mandatory minicamp because he was talking about Najoku being behind in chemistry uh, with Watson. Uh, but he was he was very complimentary uh, of Harrison Bryant. So to your point, yeah, like could Bryant be that guy that's with the Browns for seven eight years as a backup tight end in one capacity or another, and you know is kind of a fixture, but he never really gets that big you know guaranteed contract. 
there's a lot of smoke there. I think it doesn't, it doesn't have to be much money. And certainly you don't want to put yourself in the situation. They've established they don't want to be in that situation again, obviously signing Aikens like they did and giving him a couple of years worth of money here. But right. Yeah. Uh, the, the Brian thing is interesting. He, he's a guy that, you know, he's a Mackey winner and just never has really panned out the athleticism. You want to see where people talk about limitations in athleticism and how those render themselves from college where you thrive and, earn Mackey awards and tight ends most productive tight end college level. And then you go to the NFL. It's like, Oh, okay, this is it. So yeah, Brian is fair. I mean, I think you could make an argument for Goodwin who seems to be aging like fine wine. I don't really understand it. If he has another mm-hmm. nice little complimentary year, it's like that guy would be fun to keep around. Yeah. There's a role for him. Yeah. So that's it. I, I mean, I think Brian is a leader in the clubhouse. Yep. Jordan Elliott seems to curry more favor in this organization than <laughs> anybody gives him credit for. Right. I mean, like yeah, every off season, it's like people are expecting him to play a big role and he's supposed to break out and not yet seen yeah. it. Again, I, I point to like pro football focuses. Grades are not the uh, end all be all. So That's right. they're, they're a baseline. They're a launch point for a lot of things, but they don't tell you the full story. And there's clearly a fuller like that word choice. Fuller story out there that we don't understand about Jordan Elliott. So, you know, yeah. um, I'm not ever, it never blows me away on film. That's right. For, that's for damn sure. But uh, uh, yeah, Jordan like, Kanasich is another player that that guy's gotten a lot of glow from the coaches over the offseason. Uh, you know, right. Schwartz, uh, Tarver, they have been shouting him out by name. So um, that's one that, you know, again, you know, these guys that are kind of role players but contribute on special teams can find long careers, especially if they find a coaching staff that kind of loves them. Yeah, they're in the middle of uh, trying to sort through some of that stuff uh, going into when things get tighter and tighter. But, yeah, yeah there's the, the element of when you look at a player, when you're thinking about talking about analyzing these guys, you just you don't know the people. You don't know the people. So that, that, that's a big part of whether organizations keep guys around or not. So, um, all right, that's good for that. The other thing I wanted to hit on was running back with Dalvin cook. Like I've seen, he's out there. He was on Adam Schefter's podcast. Doesn't have a place to land yet. I think he would be fun here. I mean, I really do like him and him and Nick. Absolutely. I think Dalvin and Nick would be what people have thought Kareem and Nick would be for uh, the last few years. Yep. Um, and we did a little bit of research, uh, super official here, of course, research ahead of this pod where we looked at like where money is coming into, into play for some of these guys. Like is Dalvin a one-year deal guy probably, or a deal structured with two years where he can, the team can get out of that deal after year. I think as, as the teams are getting smarter and smarter about their own guys, they're going to get smarter and smarter about veteran. I mean, we're seeing it play out with these veteran running back contracts they're not going to tie themselves to these guys so last year kareem hunt made as far as a cap number six and a quarter which was the seventh highest paid running back in the nfl last year ahead of guys like alvin Kamara, aaron jones his own teammate nick chubb uh gus edwards jamal williams james connor productive players josh jacobs who led the nfl in rushing yards like i don't need to go on and on here but that's the list so 23 now you look at it jumps up a little bit derrick henry's cap number gets bigger because a a large part of his delayed contract has kicked in nick is at 14.8 because his contract extension has kicked in mixon's at 12.8 pollard at 10 josh jacobs now up to 10 saquon barkley we'll see what happens with him i know that's a tag both him and josh jacobs are playing on the tag and it appears tony pollard is too 
Uh, we'll see if those guys end up doing that. But like a six and a quarter numbers now is like outside the top 10. So that's right behind Austin Eckler, who is you know, ironically demanding a new contract himself. So, you know, that's the, the range is strange, right? It goes from like the 13th highest paid running back is Najee Harris. As far as the cap number goes here, 3.5, it jumps to be John Robinson on his rookie deal is the eighth overall selection, which is just a shade under 4 million as a cap number. Jonathan Taylor's at 5.1 at the end of his rookie deal. Cordell Patterson, timeless Cordell Patterson, 5.5. And then you're in the top 10 at 7.75. So six and a quarter would put him outside the top 10, but be a really good number for the Browns. I don't know. Would that be worth it? Like he talked today about he would love to to team up with DeAndre Hopkins. I don't think that's going to happen because nobody has the money to bring in both of those guys who are going to be expecting some kind of money. Right. But you know, if you said the Browns have X amount of cap dollars, they, they have enough flexibility here to fit a guy. Would he be somebody you'd be interested in? That's the question. Um, I think I, I'm more sanguine about the Browns running back situation than most people. Uh, you know, I think with for what you're paying Nick Chubb, he really needs to be touching. He needs to be getting 90% of the running back snaps, something like that. Like, I mean... This this should be his highest usage year yet, right? Like, and I'm I'm not trying to argue for running the tires off of a running back because I don't you know think that's a good idea. But this is the, this is the time where he really needs to earn that money and and be a, a true number one back for them and the focal point of anything they do in the running game. Um, I mean, you know, you're talking about the you know Hunt's cap number last year, and then you look at his production and. It makes you blanch. I mean, with the rollover stuff, they could have absolutely rolled over. You know, they could have moved on from him either in the preseason or during the season, save some of that cap number. I don't know how much, but a fair amount and rolled it over into this year. You know, $4 million extra dollars on the cap or whatever it would be would have really come in handy this year. So that one sticks in my craw still a little bit. So I agree with you. Dalvin Cook is a fun player, but, um, you know, I think with the the, the two pieces here are what you're paying Nick Chubb, that's number one. And then number two is the offense is moving away from being a run-heavy attack. You know, I mean, if, if Kevin Stefanski runs the ball as much as they did last year, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be among the most vocal uh, critics of that because, you know, they, they have invested the wide receiver position. They have Deshaun Watson for a full season. They need to be throwing the ball a lot. So um, those are kind of the two stepping or, or stumbling blocks. Uh, in some made up, you know, uh, not going to happen scenario where he would be willing to accept a lot less money to come play for the Browns, um, you know, then I'm very interested. And, and, you know, if he wanted to be a true pass back third down option, but I think he's going to have better options elsewhere, uh, you know, Miami or whatever the, the case may be. Um, I'm, I'm curious, Jake, if you had to choose between Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Hopkins, which one you'd rather have come and join the team this year i would probably take hopkins um just just by sheer like i'm afraid of anything that makes you want to run the football more right now that's right i, I just that's that's the issue right yeah yeah and then, then you know we have folks that'll be like well they have a lot of unproven players behind you know behind mm-hmm. nick chubb well okay that's <laughs> yeah so we just are we afraid of playing anybody who hasn't actually touched the field they're paying kareem hunt six and a quarter million last they were going to use him they're yep. going to use him up. They're going to play that right. player. Yeah, you pay him, you got to use him. Yep. And now Nick's money is is jumped up the way it has. They're going to use him. Mm. I expect him to have a if he stays healthy, mm. a career high in carries this year, right? Mm-hmm. Like or, or close to it, approaching it. Even as the offense shifts away from some of that run heavy stuff, exactly. like he should just be dominating the, the uh, the touches. So like, 
I don't think that just because a player hasn't played doesn't mean they can't play. Like they, it's a part of projection. Like you took Jerome Ford with a fourth round pick, which is not nothing. It's not a sixth or seventh round throw of the dartboard. It's a fourth round pick. Like you thought he could play, and there were uh, there were moments in the preseason that were encouraging. His kick return stuff showed a player that was elusive. He can play. Let him play. Let him play cheap, and then go from there. And if you need to sign it, it appears to me that there are going to be a plethora of veteran running backs that leak into the regular season without jobs, or at least late training camp. I'm yeah. not forcing some veteran running back in, 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 onto this team. To your point, and I agree, is yeah, it would be fun. Like that is clearly like <laughs> Dalvin's fun. It would be a fun situation to get yeah. to, but. Is that is that helping you win the Super Bowl this year? Is is tying six, seven, eight million dollars to him that you could have rolled into a maybe a, a, a free agent edge next year, a one year, you know? Because say you you spend eight million on him, that doesn't roll over or whatever, and you could have signed back Zadarius another year or something, right? Like there's give and take to that stuff, and I I just don't think that Dalvin Cook is going to move the needle in the way that is meaningful enough. I would take Hopkins um in that scenario would you do the same or would you just pass on i mean i would i would i think they're going to clearly pass on both here but it it doesn't like if i was given that option i would take hopkins i don't know if you feel the same way yeah definitely i do feel the same way just because i think what the offense might struggle with this year is is much more in the neighborhood of a guy that can can uh get them first downs when they absolutely need them um you know, rather than, a, a you know, sort of a, a luxury item in another running back. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, I think you made a great point, which is they drafted Jerome Ford for a reason. Um, you know, they're moving Demetric Felton back to running back as well. Um, you know, I, I've always liked John Kelly in the preseason. Um, mm-hmm. I think if he's on the practice squad, I feel pretty good about if, if Chubb has to miss some time, Kelly and Ford being a pretty nice duo to take the to, to you know i mean kelly's been in the system for i think two years now you know maybe even he was here in a little bit of 20 so he knows the system um these guys are you know i i think they're gonna be okay at running back if we you know a lot of analytics people say running backs don't matter i'm not down with that but um you know i will definitely say i do not want my team investing in backup running back and so i mean to your point if you can get somebody for a minimum uh, veteran situation that can come in or if there's an interesting waiver cut, you know, towards the end of camp, that mm-hmm. makes sense. But going out and, and kind of paying any amount of money for one of these guys that's got a name, I'm not with it. Yeah, especially up over five, six, seven million, man, that you yeah. could parlay into a player you need in a more valuable position later. So and again, like it's you paid Nick. You paid him. So let's yep. let's use him. Let it. You've extended you've done a nice job yep. of extending his window. Yep. Like it's it's okay to to ride the, so, the coattails of that guy, right? So, like, it, it, let Russ Cook is the thing in in Seattle, and then Denver or whatever. Can we? Can it just be like let Nick Chubb? Does that work? Let Nick let Nick Chubb. You might run into some um, stuff with HR on that, okay. but yeah, well, um, we'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll send you an know. email. I'll send yeah. an email. I think it's probably smart to send an email, tag the boss, and just, just yeah, you know, yeah. Play well, out. you know, just give a heads up. Heads up. All right. So. We've left it. We've 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 really resigned almost nobody. Um, extended yeah. very few. So we've basically yeah. done nothing with the first twenty minutes of the show. <laughs> anyway, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to talk about two AFC contenders. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, so today we have Dolphins Chargers. Andrew and I selected them, not because we think they're the most serious contenders. We're not doing this in, in order or anything, but um I, I, I just think these are two fun teams. Fun teams outside of you know the Browns, and if you could if you could care for like them, then you know, just turning them on and watching them for entertainment value. I think they're both high up on the list. So absolutely, we'll, we'll start with the Dolphins. We'll do our five questions we did uh, just just the other day. With uh, you know, actually, this would be uh, the Monday, so we're going to play this one on Tuesday. So uh, we're doing back to back days, whatever. Though anyway, so the key offseason movement for the Dolphins, they uh, let's see here, they they didn't do a ton to the offensive line. They're still starting Austin Jackson at right tackle or someone of the sort, which is not um, not f- the most promising thing uh, for their situation. They did let go of their tight end, uh, who is doing the gritty. What was the name of that fella? Gasicki. Um, Mike Gasicki. Yes, Gasicki. Uh, see, this is again. We do so much homework for these. Um, Tua's uh, obviously back at quarterback. We'll see how that lasts. They did draft in the third round uh, Devon A. Chain, who I think is a really fun, really fun running back. And then uh, they they still have Raheem Mostert. They still have Jeff Wilson at running back as well. So that's why I think if they do end up signing, they're sort of leaders in the rumor clubhouse to sign Dalvin Cook. They would probably let one of Jeff or Raheem Mostert go, and that would be where the Browns, uh, for a cheap number, would be very interested in that situation, right? So defensively, they still have Emmanuel Ogba, Zach Seiler, who's a nice player, uh, Raquan Davis, Christian Wilkins up front, good good duo. Jalen Phillips, who they took in the first round of 2021, who I think is a star. I think that dude dominated the Browns last year when they got together, and I think that he's a really good player out of UCLA. 
Um, otherwise, they brought in David Long as a uh, free agent. So that's one of their bigger signings. They also brought over, I should have mentioned uh, up there earlier, uh, I think they brought over Connor Williams at center this year. So that's an addition. Uh, otherwise, they're still kind of like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle-led. They don't have a ton of like fantastic wide receivers. Like Cedric Wilson is their third guy probably. They let go of Trent Sherfield. They do have Robbie Chosen Anderson uh, as well. They brought him in. Uh, defensively, though, it's it's David Long, Jerome Baker, Bradley Chubb. They have a, they have a defense that people are expecting a lot of positivity yeah. from. Yeah. You know, they they traded for Jalen Ramsey. They have that Cater Kohu who's going to be their slot, who was really good for them last year. I think he was a UDFA guy. Still have Xavier Howard, Javon Holland, the second round safety in twenty one. God, I like this tape, man. It's a good player. Um, they they draft in the second round, I think was their first pick of the draft. They didn't have a first round pick, was Cam Smith out of South Carolina at corner. So it's it's a it's a group defensively they expect to be really good. And then they're obviously expecting the the fastest wide receiver duo in the NFL to continue to make insane differences for them in the passing game and create easy throws for Tua. It's so when we say that's their key offseason movement, who are they? I think that I this is one of the rare teams andrew where the wide receivers just lead the group like they lead the team they go as tyreek and jalen waddle go if they were to lose one of them i don't really think this is an offense that's that's very good i don't yeah it doesn't elevate people he's operating with this uh, three things i think mike mcdaniel is really good at this yep he can really draw it up he was a big part of shanahan's success together and clearly although goofy as he can be the uh, the the team loves his true to self nature and they and they he can draw it up he can do it he can scheme it they have a great scheme they 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 create opportunity but it comes through these two ridiculously fast wide receivers and i think that's their identity am i wrong about that no i think that's right i think it's the it's the it's the sort of one two of that speed with the the play action that they build into the offense you know based on a, having a pretty solid running attack. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that's who they are. And I think, um, you know, the interest, to me, the interesting question about that is can they kind of have their cake and eat it too, keep that identity on offense and build a tr- like a real turnover-creating defense? And if they can, you know, then I think they're – I think, I think the, you know, of the teams – I mean, one of the things that the Chargers and the, and the Dolphins have in common is that if – if we see the best version of both of these teams, mm-hmm. the, these are teams that can that could could definitely challenge, you know, to get into that final, uh, you know, game in the AFC, um, you know, and potentially sneak into the Super Bowl. I, in my in my mind, like I, I I think we we have the the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Bengals as sort of a tier, you know, and then and then I, these are the two teams knocking on the door in in my mind, um, and I would say the Dolphins are are really right there. I mean. And and you know the 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 Vic Fangio thing is the big thing for me. You know, um, I if he is as good as he was in Denver and previous stops, you know, Chicago, that you know, like I said, have your cake and eat it too situation where they keep the explosive offense and then add a defense that turns the ball over and gives the uh, offense short fields could they could kind of they they kind of could become like the fast break team of the NFL. 
Yeah, I think they were there at times last year. The, the the X factor for them last year, and I think is this year, is Tua, right? Like he Yeah, for hurt. sure. Oh, for sure. And I don't think Tua's an elevator, but I think he's an executor, right? Mm-hmm. He can execute oh, yeah. what you're asking him to execute. And when you lose him, they lose a lot of you know, it's like it's like losing a really effective point guard, right? If if the I'm trying to think of the best way to say it. The, the team that this is really cross sport and weird, but remember the the, the Clippers uh, with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and for sure. they what was the nickname that those guys had? I can't even remember it off the top of my head, but it was like Lob City. There it is. Yeah, there you go. Nice. Like you, they could still be effective and good without Chris Paul, but they're not the same. Right. Like Chris Paul is orchestrating all of it, and that's what Tua mm-hmm. does too. He's or, he's an orchestrator. Now they signed Mike White, which I think is a nice addition. Mike yeah. White was one of the few positives in that Jets uh, situation last year and the year before. So there's opportunity there. I think you're right. They want a smothering defense. They've invested like crazy on that side of the football. Their 2019 first round pick, their 21 first round pick, obviously uh, a second rounder in 21. You trade what you trade for Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, you took your first pick this year was another DB. They've clearly their second pick in 2020 invested like wild on that side of the football. So, um, yeah, like that's that's the the push. And then they're saying we can just we're not going to grind you out, but we're going to create the most big plays in the NFL. That's what they yes, did right. last year, and that's yep. what they're going to swing for again. And the hope is that Tua, as the orchestrator, can keep it healthy. And I don't think we – I mean, you can, you could say that either of the wide receivers define their season, their health or whatever, but I think that, like, Tua does. I think that he – like, how good he is and his ability to stay on the field defines their season. Would you agree with that? I would. I mean, I, I think you're right that, like, Mike White is definitely a better fit for what they want to do. Um than uh teddy was last year and so um you know i think there's a little maybe a little bit more upside with mike white coming in behind to if that's necessary but yeah i mean anytime you have a first round quarterback who is um in the situation where he might have to at any point leave the game for his own safety mm-hmm. that sort of question mark really kind of i mean that hangs over everything right i mean for the foreseeable future i think that hangs over what the Dolphins do. And I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, when he's up for that extension, if that factors into their decision-making and how, how they weigh that risk uh, uh, against, you know, the, the benefit of what he can do because they're, he, you know, he is good at what he does. And I think, you know, people take shots at him because he's not, you know, hasn't lived up to his draft slot certainly, but um, he is really good at what he does. And, you know, they, they did a great job of finding the right coach, to unlock what he could do. And I, I'm interested to see what it looks like in the second year for Mike McDaniel. Me too. Especially when teams have more tape on him and all that stuff, right? Exactly. So, um, all right, cool. Let's the Dolphins better or worse in 22. I think they're better. I don't think there's any reason to think they won't be better if they get continued health from Tua. The defense has a bunch of developed pieces. David Long's a fun linebacker. Obviously adding Jalen Ramsey is a really, really nice addition. Yeah. Um, I think they're better. I don't know how much better, but they're better is my landing spot for them. Yeah, I agree. They are, they have improved. Um, and I think that they are, you know, if, if there's just a lot of questions about, you know, how Ramsey fits in, how uh, Fangio works, you know, um, in, in a new, you know, in a, with a new team, if, if his stuff still works, if it does, I, I mean, I really think the sky is the limit for this team. And it's, you know, it's, uh, it, it really it does come down to the health of the quarterback. So, you know, that being a limiting factor 
and, and this is even beyond the concussion issue, right? Like he he's a guy that carries dings elsewhere. So yeah, um, yeah, I, I think I yeah. exactly. I think they're better, but I think that they still have some some limiting questions. And so I would say, you know, as far as like what tier they belong to, I think they're solidly in that second tier of, you know, it's it's really kind of playoffs or bust for them. And then it becomes a question of what they, you know, where they're at when they enter the playoffs. If if two is healthy and the defense is clicking, I, I like I said before, I think they could go to the Super Bowl. Very fair. Tier two firmly for me. They're expecting yeah. to do what they did last year, which is go to the playoffs. All right. Switching over to the Chargers now, another team with um with some some movement and and you know, an offensive coordinator change, which we haven't really mentioned coordinator changes. I don't think there's really been a significant one that we've, we've run into yet. This would be the first significant one for me. So they let go of uh, Joe Lombardi and they bring in Kellen Moore, who kind of to the surprise of a lot of people was let go from Dallas, who had a pretty good offense, all things considered outside of Tua just, or not Tua, but uh, um, Dak just couldn't kind of, he only just sort of still shrinks in those big moments. So they're excited about him over there in, in LA and it's a fun offense still. I mean, they have Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Uh, I think Josh Palmer's a fun player. They drafted Quentin Johnston in the first round, the TCU kid. Mm-hmm. They have this Darius Davis they invested in in the fourth round, who's a real burner. Still have Rashawn Slater, who's a phenomenal tackle. They drafted Zion Johnson, the guard, in the first round in 22. They've invested heavily offensive line. Gerald Everett's still a fun tight end. Donald Parham, the biggest SOBs you'll ever see at tight end. He's still out there. You have Austin Eckler back, disgruntled maybe, but he's back. Still really good. Justin Herbert, people think is is every bit deserving of a massive extension he's going to get, and he's he's uh, at times a human highlight reel back there. It's one of the more fun offenses in the NFL if they stay healthy. They didn't have any real big additions outside of Quentin Johnson. They did sign Corey Lindsley from Green Bay. I think that was this year. Could be wrong, but I think that was. Uh, he's year. been there. Game he's over. been there. Has he been there? Yeah, it's hard. It's always hard to tell. It doesn't give me a date of when these guys mm-hmm. uh, yep. signed over. Um, Figure they, it out, our they, lads. That's right. Come on, man. Put a, put a parentheses or something. Uh, defensively, a bit of a interesting structure here. They they obviously still have Khalil Mack. They still have um, the brother Bosa, Joey. They they brought in Eric Kendricks this year. Still Kenneth Murray, their first round pick in twenty twenty. Sebastian Joseph Day, Morgan Fox came back. Um, yeah, like they they have uh, they've they've been around uh, being a good defense. Asante Samuel Jr., Derwin James. Then outside of that, it's a lot of like Aloe Gillum. Is there other free safety listed right now? Which you would probably say what? And I would say yep. Mm-hmm. Michael I Davis sure is their other corner opposite Asante Samuel Jr. And then Jasir Taylor is their nickel. So that's obviously a problem area for them. Is how that secondary plays. So that, that's the key offseason movement. They did draft Tuli Tuipilotu, who I really liked uh, as an edge. They took him in the second round. Uh, Dan Henley, there's a linebacker out of Washington State. A lot of people really like. They took him in the third round. So some defensive additions there. But the secondary is the questionable area. So who are they, right? They are Justin Herbert probably is what like what they are. I mean, what he drives the engine yeah. for them. Yeah. They're very veteran based, like the Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Those guys have been around for a while. Even Gerald Everett's been around for a while. Khalil Mack Bosa. It's a very veteran group. Like their core of guys, like draft Bosa's drafted in 16, Mike Williams in 17, Keenan Allen in 13. 
Austin Eckler was a 2017 arrival. Like they're veteran group who's ready to compete and they're driven by Justin Herbert and, and where he can ultimately take them. I, I personally not a huge believer in Brandon Staley. Yep. I think that the authenticism, uh, the authentic factor, I don't really see it with him. And I think there's been just times of like what, like I couldn't, we got into an argument with some people at the, I could not fathom what he did last year in Cleveland where he went for that fourth down. Mm-hmm. And like, I just think he makes some really interesting decisions. And then it seems like people loved him because he was so aggressive in his first year. And then in his second year, he pulled it back some, but like, I just don't think he has a great feel for right time, right place is kind of the way I would put it. So I don't think they're yeah. driven by their head coach. Maybe Kellen Moore makes a big difference for them, but it's Justin Herbert with the keys to the operation, and he probably goes as far as he takes them. But yeah. I could be could be screwing that up. What do you think? No, I mean I think that's that's kind of how I think of it is that they are they are a team with a great quarterback and a defensive head coach. And you know when we talked about the Chiefs, we talked about Andy Reid paired with Patrick Mahomes and how they make each other better, right? Because Mahomes can make every throw that Reed can dream up in any scheme that Reed dreams up. And so he knows that he's got, you know, a, a, an almost a video game character at quarterback. And then Mahomes knows that Reed's always going to give him the answers to the test. And so they, they, they elevate each other. That doesn't happen in Los Angeles with the chargers because the head coach is a defensive guy. Yeah. And so, you know, you had Joe Lombardi there uh, not really doing a great job for a while and, you know, I think it's fair to ask, did, does what happened over the past years of Herbert's career stick with him? Uh, you know, does do some of the habits that he developed under Lombardi, you know, come, come travel to Kellen Moore? And then I think there's also the question of like, you know, is Kellen Moore, he has been, you know, because he was with the Cowboys, he's been hyped for a long time. And so, you know, this is a, a real showcase opportunity for him to, to do more maybe you know earn more respect than he has previously had because he's doing it outside of Dallas and so um I think there's one version where you know it kind of seems that he maybe is more hype than reality which would really kind of fit with who their head coach is and then there's another version where he he kind of lives up to it and steps out of you know the shadow of of all the praise that he got in Dallas and proves that he really is one of the better offensive minds in which case he's going to get a head coaching job next year so um you know the Chargers are stuck in that weird conundrum where when you've got a defensive head coach and a franchise quarterback it it it, it's always an awkward marriage I mean it's just kind of the way that it works and so um you know uh, I think that limits them to a certain extent and I think I I mean I agree with you I think Brandon Staley is at times very innovative defensively but I don't think that makes him a great head coach. I think that makes him a great defensive coordinator. So, um, you know, I, I, I see a lot of similarities, frankly, between Staley as a head coach and Stefanski as a head coach, just yeah. in terms of the unanswered questions and the opportunity that both have in front of them in 2023 to answer those questions. Yeah, that cycle of like, okay, Kellen Moore has a great season. The Chargers go to places they've never been before. Yeah. <laughs> you gonna you got to pay him a ton of money, right? Like, And then it's like right. – how does that make Staley feel? There's a whole yep. bunch of weirdness to that whole thing. So that's right. Um, all right. Uh, season de- deciding X factor for them is not a person to me. And we've said sometimes it won't be, uh, it could be anything. It could be a player, it could be a person, it could be a, a, it could be a coach by person is what I mean, or it could be 
a group, a position group. I think it's just health. Like Keenan Allen was hurt so much last year. They lost Rashawn Slater last year. Khalil Mack has been beat up year after year. I think, I think to me, and like you, we know Derwin James has missed entire seasons recently, not last year, but in, in, you know, he's, they lost like two years. So their whole thing to me is, can they stay healthy? If they, if they stay healthy, they, they have so much talent. I think they'll be fine. But the, the, the X factor for me, which is, it's kind of lame because it could be every team's X factor in a sense, but like, sure. I just think that they, they have enough, let me say it that way, proven talent that if they stay healthy, they'll be, they'll be in that tier two uh, playoff expectations. And I think they can, I really do think they can challenge for a Super Bowl if they, if everything stays right for them and they keep the right guys on the field. Uh, I mean, I, I agree with you. They have been so plagued by injury that it starts to become, you know, the thing where you're wondering about the training staff or the facility being haunted, those sorts of things. But, um, I, I think it's, to me, the X factor is, is uh, it's kind of what I was talking about before is Kellen Moore as good as the press that he's gotten. And is Justin Herbert able to really, if, if Moore is better, you know, and, and really, is as good as the press says that he is, then can Herbert elevate to that sort of consistently being on that next level where he's, you know, he, he operates uh, sort of fearlessly and aggressively at all times because the, yeah. the criticism for him uh, is that he can be too conservative. And so more has to unlock that from Herbert. And if he can, then the chargers are, you know, right there with the dolphins, as I said before, in terms of teams that can really push, the Chiefs and the Bills and the Bengals, um, but you know, if 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 uh, the offense is inconsistent, much as it was in Dallas um, for Kellen Moore and Herbert continues to have those sorts of criticisms, then the Chargers are going to be a fringe playoff team because I think the defense took a step back. Right when we talk about like, are they better or are they worse? I think the defense is going to be worse this year. You know, um, fair. The, the J.C. Jackson signing not panning out. Um, you know. Even if they brought in somebody like John Johnson, I think the safety, you know, position next to Derwin James is a question mark. I still don't like their defensive line outside of the two pass rushers, but like the the interior, I think is still there's plenty of questions. So I think the defense takes a step back and the offense has to take a step forward, or in the AFC where everybody is loading up, the Chargers are gonna kind of sink into that middle of the pack territory. Yeah, I think your your points on the defense are very well understood. That that's that's pretty fair. So I, I I think that you could say they have a chance to be better just by virtue of being healthier. Is the roster better? Probably not, right? Probably right. not. So that doesn't like we said that doesn't mean that they can't have a, a really nice season. But it does feel like that the roster might be in a little worse shape, especially again like some of these guys they're starting in the secondary are a big cause for concern. And, and then you're always dealing with Derwin's injury history and imagine losing him. And then what's it look like, right? Nasir Adderley retired. So yeah, that just, was it's just, it is, it's just a weird, they're in a weird spot. So yep. I think that they're in between there is as much in between playoff expectations and playoff hopes as we've come across yet. Yep. I think and I think, I, I, yeah, fair. I mean the, the quarterback being who he is gives them immense upside. And I yes. think, Staley and Moore are both coaches that have a ton of potential, have been described as being really – and if they both coach as well as people think they can, mm-hmm. this could absolutely be a juggernaut. But I think that there's there's a lot of pitfalls on the path for them for sure. I think you're, you're – the more I think about it, you're probably right about 
you know, th- th- there's been nothing but people who love Justin Herbert over mm-hmm. the past three years, two, three years, writing about how he's been held back by Joe Lombardi. Right. 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 So, yeah, I, 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 if they have this, if there's this unlocked version where they get a bunch of schemed open stuff for him, how does that translate? Into him being, yeah. Like just like <laughs> reincarnated Dan Marino. Right. Right. That's essentially right. what people think. So, okay. Well, fun. Two teams that dolphins, we are a little higher on than the chargers. It sounds like uh, both teams. You can see certainly where this thing could fall apart for them. You know, there, there's not, there's some spots where they're certainly very surface level. And if they lose something important and every, I feel like every team's like this, but it's always like interesting to look at identifying where those other teams are. Right. You know? So well, yeah. And I, I think like, that. yes, exactly. Big picture. The question to me is like, um, I, I was talking about this with, with Mike Keefe on our, our Monday night show last night, that every team has injuries. As you said, every team has health concerns. The question is, when that stuff happens, are the coaches able to adjust and get some guy, you know, off the street or a practice squad guy or somebody, you know, that you just drafted in the sixth round, get them ready to play? Yep. And that, to me, makes the difference between like the great coaches, like you talk about Andy Reid, you know, uh, involving, you know, all, I mean, we talked yesterday about all the youth that they got involved, you know, uh, Steve Spagnuolo, all the youth they got involved on defense, that Jalen Watson kid coming out of nowhere. That is a credit ultimately to coaching in my mind. And so if things happen, if the injury bug strikes the Chargers again, like to a certain extent that is an excuse, but to another extent, that happens in the NFL to every team every year. And how you adjust to that and who you find and and the players that you involve to replace those players speaks to the coaches and their ability. So I think for both of these teams, you know, fun schemes, cool dudes, lots of fun press conference quotes, but like when the rubber meets the road – and Tua is hurt again. Can Mike White? Can you get Mike White operating the offense at a level high enough that you don't miss a beat? And for the Chargers, you know, if if Joey Bose is hurt and Khalil Mack is banged up, can you scheme up some pass rush from some of these guys that are, you know, like you said, Tui Pelotu or these other you know guys that are less heralded? And that's what makes these guys, you know, that's what makes the difference between a good coach and a great coach. And so that's kind of where the challenge is, I think, for the Dolphins and Chargers this year. That is very well said. I have no notes. You're not just like you don't give these guys another year because of injuries very often. It's not you were fired, but it was really unfair, man. Like that's just not how it goes. Like you're judged on win losses and you have to get you have to get those guys ready to play. And and your job is to win football games. So uh, there's a you know much like Kevin and Staley. I think you and I are saying the same thing. It's pretty similar. He brought in a new O.C., He's under the microscope. He's almost fired. It felt like, yeah. Kevin brings yeah. in a new DC, right? So yeah, it's they're in a similar trajectory here. We'll see if both of them with talented rosters can can get their ownership, their fan base to feel more comfortable with them, right? So that's the exactly similar spot. All right, good stuff. Two teams knocked out. Both those teams are fun, and they will be all over the national TV landscape throughout the year. We'll continue this. I think we'll get with Andrew again for. Thursday night for a Friday episode. So you got a little double dose early in the week. So we'll get back with him and continue our contender series later in the week. Thanks for stopping by. We always appreciate Andrew's insight. I think it's uh, the podcast is much better having him on as frequently as we are. And that'll continue uh, over the foreseeable future. So thanks to Andrew. Thanks to you guys for being here. We appreciate you being here, listening to the pod, sending over the recommendations that you do. It means you a and love the show to take the time to write up some of the things you guys are writing up and, um, you know, you, you're passionate about the balance as much as we are, and that's why we're doing it. So thanks to you guys. Kudos to you. Have a great Tuesday. 
or whenever you're listening to this podcast. Again, thanks for stopping by. Rate and review us if you can. Always appreciate that feedback. Thanks, guys. Go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.